I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. You're listening to Muses and Stuff, the podcast that celebrates those who live, love, and breathe rock and roll. From the incredible groupies, girlfriends, and wives who went after what and who they wanted, to the journalists, photographers, and other behind-the-scenes characters who play such an important part in rock and roll history. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Okay, hello. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. We've been Me sort of talking about it for a while, and now it's here. And Me too. And I feel like it's been a long time since I've presented an episode, yeah. because we've had all of these great interviews, and WebFest, and oh, yeah. it's uh, been Canadian a Music Week. It's crazy couple months. A crazy awesome couple months, but it's, it is so nice to get back to our roots, and I'm so excited to hear the story, because I don't know her story, and I feel like everyone... When they think of uh, Johnny Cash, they think of June. They don't think of Vivian. So this is really cool. Like, and she, that's who we're talking about yeah. today. We are talking about Vivian Cash, her story, Johnny's first wife. Yeah. Before we get to that, I want to tell you two things. Awesome. Okay. One of the, and I want to talk about two podcasts. Okay. One of them you already know about, and then one of them I don't think you know about. And I think. Oh, you told me like. I have something to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So the first podcast that I want to talk about is the one that you do know about, which is called The Bloom Saloon. Yes. And this podcast is on episode 47. Damn. Good. The first time I 
did an Instagram post about it. I checked. It was May 12th. In 18 days, I've gone through over 30 episodes of this podcast. Oh my God. That's how good it is. Awesome. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. It's the same, like, same as us. Two girls, two friends, like, in love with 70s culture. And then not only that, but they'll play clips of, like, a cigarette ad or, like, a, a perfume ad or something from they back really put in, you in that era. the year. Yeah, yeah. And they do it themselves. Ugh. And they also have music. Music and it was, you know, it's wild because it kind of felt like when I was doing this episode, every time I talked about a song or something, I could then hear it going into that song. Oh, yeah. We've been very careful with placement of music. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there might be something if you're under 30 seconds. But just to be safe, we've just never put music into our podcast for that reason. But I love how they do it and what they do. And they pretty much. They have a great Instagram. They have a great Instagram. And I kind of feel like they are that indie band that you really love that hasn't made it big yet, but you know that like they're on the verge of making yeah, it big. Yeah. And I hope that they do. And I'm not even going to be like, you guys sold out. No. I won't say that. No. Because I want them yeah, to get, you know, all of the fans and on all of the listeners because it is a friggin' quality podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, the second one yeah. doesn't have as many episodes. Okay. It's, in fact, only on episode three. Okay. And the it's baby. Called, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Single AF. Oh, yes. And it's... Sharice. Sharice yes. Neal. Yeah. And um, Donna Delio? Stelio? Derrico. Yeah. Donna so Derrico. Yeah. So pretty much you can hashtag single AF and ask them a question or something Amazing. like that. And they check all the hashtags. So I think even just by like talking about their podcast and then hashtagging it in one of our posts, I think probably they'll see it, which kind of makes me excited, but then also kind of scares me. I think because... she follows us. Oh, cool. Because, yeah. yeah. I know we, we certainly follow her <laughs> and Bobby. So, okay. So here's the thing. They have one episode the first episode that's just what does the f stand for and then the second and third episode bobby brown mm -hmm. is the guest so let me okay so one of the funny things about this podcast is that donna will not mention the name of the man that she was either like dated or married in motley crew okay. so sharice neal is always just like you know and i was married to vince neal yeah and then donna is like and i was with well, you know who who I was with. And then they're all like, Nikki Six. Uh, yeah. She's really beautiful. But they weren't dating the guys at the same time. Yeah. So they met later. Yeah. So Donna won't even say his name, which is kind of funny. So you're like, mm, I wonder what happened there. Okay. But let me read the um, description of the Bobby Brown episodes. So the first one. Uh, the ladies are joined by close friend and fellow rock and roll chick Bobby Jean Brown to talk about social media creeps, relationship deal breakers, and get into the raunchy details of their time around Motley Crue. Amazing. And then, and so I listened to that one. It was pretty funny. And but I haven't listened to Bobby Jean Brown Part Two yet. Bobby's got back. I mean, Bobby is back for another fun-filled episode <laughs> where the gals talk about dating profiles, fake orgasms, and D pics. Amazing. I love that they have this podcast, especially since I know that there's a Motley Crue film being made right now Ooh. called The Dirt that was based on 
like the book about them and that's obviously going to be like a very male driven Mm. uh storyline and so it's nice that these women also are telling their their stories and you know having a their voice being heard at the same time that this this thing will be coming out too yeah 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 so um it's a funny podcast and like at the end (laughs) their like closing sequence is just like what are your pet peeves like what do you hate (laughs) they're just like i hate it when (laughs) it's pretty funny awesome i'm gonna check that out yeah you should okay yeah all the podcasts by all the ladies yeah now we're going back to the 50s yeah amazing so i read um vivian's book which was called which is called i walked the line my life with johnny Mm -hmm. and i also read roseanne cash's book Awesome. And her book was amazing. I bet. And very, very poetic. And I had written notes about it. But then once I finished Vivian's book, I realized, like, I don't really need to put in Roseanne's, like, too much what she said about her parents. Though it's very interesting what she does mention about her parents' uh, relationship and marriage. And I will read you one thing towards the end from her book. But actually, we've got so much material here that I'll just, like, encourage you to go and read Roseanne Cash's book. Awesome. Um, Yeah. She's also a musician. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So, Vivian's book... Uh, she dedicated to, dedicated it for Roseanne, Kathy, Cindy, and Tara. So you may better understand just how much I loved your daddy. Aww. She had a writing partner for this who was really encouraging and really helped her out. And she said this about Vivian. I found her unassuming, warm, and funny, and complex in an understated sort of way. On the one hand, she was a quiet, hesitant soul, not wanting to call attention to herself. On the other, she was a fiery Italian whose sins of right and wrong had clear lines of marxation. She was uncompromising in her integrity, compassionate and pure of heart. She was regal and elegant, yet childlike. I was drawn to her. Cool. As Vivian explained to me, the truth about many things in Johnny's life had become confused with stories for public consumption, in the end making for a confusing mess. Mm-hmm. So when it came to Vivian and her relationship with Johnny, it was like she seemed it was like a confusing mess. Yeah. She was really negatively portrayed in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I rewatched Walk the Line. Yeah. The angry wife at home and Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. They did not do her justice at all in that film. And that came out in 2005. And I remember watching the film and really enjoying it. And really rooting for June and Johnny, obviously. Loving that sort of, like, ending. But you really get to see Vivian's perspective of everything in that. And I think if, like, anybody who had anything to do with that film would have been able to read this book, I think that they definitely would have treated her with more compassion. Uh, Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to hear finally from like her words, yeah. her story. She really never stopped loving Johnny and she wanted to write her book to help other women who have lost love. It must be so difficult being like the 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 other woman in a story where everyone kind of looks at the woman that came after as like the true love and people of course you root for june and johnny and those long-lasting relationships and stuff but that doesn't mean that the first one wasn't important or special 
and they they had kids together so obviously four yeah they they had a relationship after that marriage ended as well right so yeah give it to me i will uh she really wanted good to come out of their darkest hours It's a story about who Johnny was when she met him and the people, events, and forces that changed him. Uh, Vivian had Johnny's full support with this book, and he told her that it was her time to tell her story and to reveal the truth. When she talked to him about it, they sat and laughed and hugged and cried. This was after many, many, many years. I love that. I love that he was so, so supportive of it. He said, Viv, I've been thinking for years. If anyone on this planet should write a book about me, it should be you. It's time. That's that's great. She said, the truth is, I have only recently begun to feel the grace and the reconciliation of making sense of what happened to our marriage. And now with Johnny's blessing, I would finally have what I longed to have for many years in his shadow, a voice of my own to tell the world the truth. He said he would even write the foreword. Oh, oh. But he yeah. passed away. Yeah. Um, before, like, the manuscript was completed. Um, and in the book, Vivian did find answers and reconciliation, you know, coming really close to the pain. Yeah. She shared all of Johnny's letters that he wrote to her when he was stationed in Germany. And that actually took up a very large portion of the book. Almost two-thirds of the book was the letters. Yeah, you said that to me. That's that's unbelievable. I love that she kept everything. And mm-hmm. I definitely have boxes of letters and special mementos. Me too. Like yeah. We should have a night. Oh, my God. We should have a night where we bring our boxes of letters. Yes. And just go through it. Oh, some of them are so romantic. Uh, lovely. I've been trying to convince TJ to write me a letter. Yeah. I don't think should. he gets how romantic a letter oh, could yeah. be. I don't think most men nowadays get that men are you listening yes write Write a a letter letter. a real one not just a text message (laughs) oh yes 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 (laughs) for sure vivian said that there were two kinds of people the people who were curious about her and uh her relationship to johnny and those who wished that she was written out of his history This book was definitely an opportunity for her to have her voice because she really was one of the first ladies of country music yeah absolutely she talks about the public's perception of Johnny, America's favorite bad boy, mm-hmm. dangerous and unpredictable. But she says that really was not him. Yeah. That was the drugs. Yeah. Johnny was tortured and their family was tortured because of this. He was in a fog most of the time, like after the uh, kids started being born. Yeah. He lived under the control of pills and did things he never would have done had he been sober. She truly believes that if he hadn't been so addicted to drugs, that their marriage would have lasted. Hmm. Now, one thing that Roseanne does say in her book was that her mom did not see and could not see the big picture. That Johnny was meant to be with June. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting that his daughter could could see that. Mm-hmm. But, but when you love someone, it's hard to... And this is Vivian's book, and you'll kind of come to understand why. Yeah. She really believed that as well. And, hmm. yeah. It's interesting. He was meant to be with both of them. I mean... Mm-hmm. Vivian wrote that she can't remember the lyrics of every song he wrote or what order the songs hit the chart, but she remembers hearing Johnny tell her that he loved her for the first time at their bench by the river in San Antonio. 
He would lull her to sleep when they were married by singing her Love Me Tender while combing his fingers through her hair. He loved making biscuits in the kitchen, and he loved the animals that they had. They had horses, dogs, a monkey, and a parrot. Wow, a monkey? Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) She loved fishing with him. She says nobody knew him the way that she knew him, and nobody loved him the way that she loved him. Which is true, man. It was first love. Have you seen um, Walk Hard? I haven't. Oh, my God. I I just remembered. I think there is, like, a monkey in it, and now it's, like, all making sense. <laughs> <laughs> we got to watch that. You'll love it, mm-hmm. especially after this episode. Okay, good, because <laughs> this is going to get kind of sad. Okay, yeah, that will lighten it up later. She continues Johnny um, by saying about Johnny, he was a wonderful, decent man. He was my strong, protective husband, and I knew he loved me. Johnny was tender, sweet, and vulnerable, a writer of sugary, emotional love poems. Here's a box of candy, Viv, and if it's good and sweet, say it's Johnny's love materialized with every bite you eat. If it isn't tasty, hun, give Shaft the blame for that. But if it's like my love for you, it's bound to make you fat. Oh my god, that's so cute. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) After their marriage ended, she never got over it. She did remarry shortly after, but she never really got over it. Even though, um, you know, she thought maybe I could have done things differently or fought harder to save the marriage. Um, Until writing the book, she really stuffed her emotions down. Even though, like, you know, her daughters told her that she needed to revisit and examine her pain and grief in order to heal. Yeah. She always avoided revisiting the past. And so in this book, she went back to the very beginning. So let's go back. Please, let's. All right. Vivian was 17 years old when she first met Johnny Cash. I was going to ask you. Yeah, they were babies. Yeah. She was skinny as a rail, all legs and elbows, with hazel eyes and chestnut hair. She was extremely shy. Her mother was a homemaker and her dad an insurance salesman and an amateur magician on the side. Wow. Her and her mother would be his assistants on stage, you know, getting cut in half and all that. Her life was sheltered. Her parents were strict. She was a good student and at lunchtime she loved to dance and do the jitterbug with her friends. Jitterbug. (laughs) <laughs> she loved music and when she wasn't in school she could be found at the roller rink that's how she spent her summer in 1951 i wish we still had roller rinks i've been to one roller rink just outside of toronto yeah i guess bowling alleys roller rinks those kind of things still exist They're yeah just sort of... but it's not like a thing that we do yeah and certainly not in the city yeah 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 and the only time that i did it was one t- the only time that i was on roller skates and it was for the bros music video and oh, i yeah, roller skated yeah, for yeah. five that's hours right. that's right and i'm in the video for like two seconds you became a pro <laughs> for the bros <laughs> i forget i forget what the name of the song is oh well anyways um yeah so that's how she spent her summer so innocent 1951 that's when she met Johnny Cash. Fifteen minutes before the ring closed, a handsome boy, tall and distinguished, in an Air Force uniform came in. She Ooh. couldn't look away. He asked if she would skate with him, reached out his hand and said, My name is Johnny. 
He wasn't the rugged guy some people might see him as. He was tall, slender, impeccably dressed, creases in his pants, razor sharp, and shoes perfectly polished. He was an attractive man, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She said that he was very, very sexy. Mm. He wasn't a very good skater like she was, but he made her laugh and sang to her when they were skating. No boy had ever sung to her before. Amazing. He was playful talkative and shy he was newly enlisted in the air force and was taking off in three weeks wow he was being shipped off to europe such a different time huh yeah johnny was from arkansas and his parents were cotton farmers before they knew it the roller rink was closing and he took her home he said i'd love to see you again would you consider going out with me you're the prettiest girl i've seen in texas since i've been here Aww. he leaned in for a kiss but she wouldn't kiss him. Ooh. Not on the first date. <laughs> she had thought maybe she had blown it, but she didn't. No. She says, I didn't know it at the time, but I was exactly the kind of girl Johnny likes. Reserved, quiet, and God-fearing. Hmm. A good girl. He said he liked my smile and my blue eyes. He liked my Italian features. And although he wasn't the first boy to, the boy, the first boy to tell me I was pretty... He was the first boy who ever made me believe it. Ah, Yeah, she's really unique looking. She's got, like, her cheekbones are so defined, and she's she's got something special. Like, I can see why Johnny would be like, whoa, who's yeah. this girl, you know? Yeah. She yeah. is striking. Yeah. We'll post those pictures. Yes. Not only did he call her the next day, but every day after that. Of course he did. <laughs> Their chemistry was undeniable and they were inseparable. Oh. It was first love. And now I want everyone to remember what their first love was like. That never goes away. No. Never. And then imagine that your first love is Johnny, Johnny. Cash. <laughs> it's sacred, Ooh. you know? Yeah. They would go to the drive-in, and even though she denied him a kiss on the first night, there were many, many more kisses that summer. At the drive-in, he got on the hood of the car and said, Hop on up here, Angel, where they sat closer and held hands. They spent the next three weeks before he had to leave, every possible minute together. She said, Never in my life had I felt so alive, so happy. We spent hours holding hands, window shopping through the streets of San Antonio, taking moonlit walks along the river. We declared a bench by the river, our bench, where we spent hours talking. Aww. Did yeah. Johnny know or did she know that he had like musical uh, abilities? I mean, other than him singing to her at the rank, like did was that sort of part of his life yet? She didn't mention it. Okay, so probably not. It's probably and you know what? He had sent her, um, like many years later, a copy of his book, Man in Black. Mm-hmm. and I wrote the dedication that he, or he, uh, not the dedication, but I, I wrote down the, the note that he'd written to her, and um, so he must have talked about her in his book, but because we've been so busy these last couple yeah. of months, I just couldn't get a, I couldn't get, I didn't look into his book, yeah. and I didn't see what he wrote about her. Well, we'll do another one on him in June sometime and read that one. And I imagine in that book, he'll probably talk about like more Much in detail more, about yeah. when exactly he started playing, but she doesn't mention it at this point. Not oh, until that. they're like married. Gotcha. Yeah. She was in love and she said that time was their enemy and they both knew it. Mm-hmm. In the bench, he carved Johnny Loves Vivian and the next day he was off to Germany for 
three years. Wow. Wow, that's long. But she knew that he was the man she was going to marry. There must have been so many women back then who had these long-term commitments to these men overseas. and Yeah. And it's so interesting because, you know, war affects people and a lot of them don't come back the same person, you know? Mm-hmm. It must have been a crazy time for, you know, relationships. And I think Johnny was kind of lucky in that sense because it's not like he ever had to fight on any, like, like, front yeah. lines. Yeah. Like, he was, I think, in, like, offices. Yeah. He got he got it easy, for sure. Which is good for Absolutely. everybody. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so in the next, like, big portion of the book then, after he left she printed all of the letters yes um they wrote to each other pretty much every day sometimes they would write daily wow and sometimes several letters a day wow they were really in love yeah he would address the letters to her like dear vivian dear and my own sweetheart that's so nice that they met before he left because imagine like he would have had three years with no one to write to yeah he would say like he would write sorry i think i'll go to the movies tonight want to come along you're always with me everywhere i go anyways stay sweet sweetheart and be thinking of me love you always johnny and then like the next letter would be by the way i saw showboat when i was in santone i don't know really know how to pronounce that no because he was in germany um so by the way i saw showboat when i was in santone he was away from his wife six years, and she still loved him. Hmm, must be something to it. Oceans and oceans of love and devotion, your Johnny. Aww. When he wasn't receiving letters as often as he liked, he'd write things like, Today I went to the post office and asked for my mail. And guess what? I still didn't have any mail from you. What's the matter, honey? Lose your pencil? He talk- I love them already. I love them. I know. <laughs> he talks about the boys going out and getting plastered and looking for girls, and he would just send her stamps so that she could write. <laughs> he would ask her for photos, and like eventually would ask her for photos in her bikini. Of course. She didn't even know what a bikini was. Wow. He was pretty funny in his letters, saying things like, Darling, I still miss you. The guy that I went to the show with wouldn't even let me hold hands with him and make believe it was you. <laughs> It became apparent in these letters that Johnny was already starting to have issues with alcohol. Oh. He was starting to get drunk, and then he would deeply, deeply regret it. Wow. He asked that she wouldn't tell his mother, and that he was ashamed. He told his mother he would never drink. I think probably because his father was an alcoholic, and uh, was like yeah. pretty, yeah. The whole thing with his brother. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. There was some fraternizing outside of the relationship, and kind of on both ends, but like pretty innocently. Yeah. At least definitely on Vivian's I, part. Three years. That's a long time. Yeah. Johnny and the boys would meet lots of girls when they were out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'd like have awful things to say about women. Like they were just out for booze and money. And sometimes he'd talk about the pretty girls that he'd met. Vivian's parents weren't totally set on her like waiting for Johnny. Yeah. And they said that two years was too long to stay home waiting for a boy. Mm. Johnny said, you're right. And your dad is right. You should have dates. It's too long for you to not go out with boys. I'll try to look at it as someone grown instead of a jealous 10-year-old. His only request, that she didn't go out with a guy more than three times. Wow. Good for him for, you know, realizing 
women need to get out there too and <laughs> he's out there meeting girls and mm-hmm. you know nothing wrong with that yeah he definitely did not like vivian drinking or smoking oh yeah um even though he would like promise not to drink and then he always would of course and then he would say things like i suppose you think i'm a big fake after what i said about drinking maybe i am honey but i still hate it i hate every drink that i took last night In another letter, he wrote, Darling, I don't know what you'll think of me after yesterday. I hate to even face you today. I hope you won't think too hard of me, Viv. I'll try not to let it happen again. I'm so ashamed of myself. I don't expect you to believe me anymore when I say I I was to do the right thing and then not drink. But I'll keep trying, darling, if you'll forgive me. And I'll try not to let it happen again. Wow. He carried, like, a lot of guilt even back then for... Foreshadowing. Yeah. My goodness. Wow. Some of the letters weren't as sweet. Um, He would accuse her of being tired of writing and tired of waiting for him and that he couldn't blame her for that. Mm -hmm. But then he was having a hard time because she was dating and her letters were becoming less frequent. After a few weeks, Vivian did realize how much Johnny meant to her and she wanted to reciprocate his love even if her parents didn't support her. So like in the movie, there's this scene where he's on the phone to her and she's like, Johnny, you don't even know me. And he's like, I know perfect when I see it. But it's like, <laughs> she didn't say that to him. She was, she wasn't like, what are you doing? You don't even know who I am. And you, like, no, she was super into this too. Although it was true that like her dad really wanted her to date. So she's yeah. like, okay, fine. And they're writing each other. I'm sure, you know, deeply personal letters and sharing with each other. And to be like, you don't know me just because yeah. you're away. That's, you know, you can reveal they more knew about each other. Of course. She resumed her steady writing, telling Johnny of her true feelings and intentions, you know, with him. Yeah. He would encourage her to gain some weight so that one day she could start having their babies. Aww. He wrote, Darling, once I asked you what you wanted out of life, I think you said, just to be comfortable. You're wonderful, Vivian. I'm going to work my fingers to the bone to try and give you more than comfort. And with God's help, I'm going to have you and your love all of our lives. One letter, he wrote, No one will ever take your place, Viv. That's something you'll never have to worry about. My going out with other women. Marriage is sacred to me, and even though a lot of people take it lightly, I won't be one of them. I'll always belong to you, Viv, and I'm going to make you happy. Oh, God. After that, he started addressing her in letters as my wife-to-be and himself as your husband-to-be. Wow. He was super committed at first (laughs) they started praying together at 9 p.m his time and 2 p.m her time on saturdays they would think of each other and pray together so that they could feel closer he wrote honey i wonder how many other boys and girls in love together or apart would think of asking god to guide their lives people would laugh at us but i wouldn't take all the money in the world for what there is between us vivian honey let's keep it this way Let's don't let the coming months make any change at all. We can beat this loneliness, this loneliness, Vivian, and come out on top. We've got what it takes, darling, and I know we can make it. Wow. You can also, like, the foreshadowing of how much guilt he carried around, not just for alcoholism, but being Christian and, you know, forever tied to one person. And is yeah. he Christian? I assume he's Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
think they went to a Baptist. No, maybe that was June. I'm not 100% sure what kind of church yeah. they went to, but... Um, Obviously believes in, you know, God and everything. And yeah. That yeah. just must have... Just, it, it keeps piling on the, the guilt there for him. For sure. So speaking of Catholic guilt... Yes. <laughs> if you're wondering if they ever consummated their relationship before he left... I'm assuming not. They did not. Yeah. They would discuss sex, but it was more like this. When it comes to you, Vivian, I don't think there is a dirty side of love. I worship you, Vivian, and anything between us would be wonderful. Even so, I'm glad you and I never had relations together. We will love and appreciate each other more when we're married. And besides, it's what God wants. I think he's proud of us now, and if we do what he asks, maybe our prayers will be answered. But, on the other hand... (laughs) On the other hand, yes, Johnny did send her nightgowns and would ask her to post pictures of her in her nightgown. He would ask that she stand up straight for the picture to be head to toe. Wow. For her to have a sweet, solemn expression on her face and her hands behind her. So specific. (laughs) I'm not asking you to reveal yourself to me, precious. I just want to know what the gown looks like on you. (laughs) That's all, darling. Of course. Your husband soon, Johnny. (laughs) All right. I'll read one more. Please. These are great. They are. I love these. And I only picked out a few. Yeah, I love these so much. July 7th, 1953. My darling wife, Viv, honey, I've missed you so much today. I wish I could make you understand how I love you and need you. Oh, my darling, I need you so much. I love you, Viv. I love you with all my heart and soul. Darling, there will never be anyone else for me as long as I live. If I could only have you in my arms for a few minutes, I could make you understand how I love you. Hun, I need you so. Ooh, steamy. Man, and it's like so sad because she took those letters and his words to heart and she believed it. Yeah. Like you can understand how difficult this must have been for her. I'm sure he believed it too at the time. I mean, they sound like they were written with, like, genuine, yeah, you know, honesty. And I'm sure he hoped, you know, every word would mean forever. Yeah. Life isn't always like that. Mm. Yeah. It's true. July 4th, 1954 was the day Johnny returned home from Germany. Ooh. Vivian spent the two days before his arrival at his parents' place so that they could all pick him up at the West Memphis, Arkansas airport. You can only imagine how she was feeling after three years of waiting. Oh, my God. She was nervous. I can't even imagine the tension. My heart would have been like... like mm-hmm. yeah. Also, the fact that his family was going to be there to oh, like yeah. watch the reunion. And after three years of... like, I'm sure the whole, all the families knew like this is a marriage here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because his parents were proper and conservative. But while they were waiting... They did say things like, what do you think Johnny will do when he finally sees Vivian? What do you think he'll say? Vivian, what are you thinking? What will you say? (laughs) And she just paced around anxiously. (laughs) (laughs) So Johnny arrived and he was scanning the crowd. So she's about 20 now? Yeah. Okay. He was more handsome than she ever expected. He was grinning ear to ear. She broke away from the family and ran toward him. He scooped her up in his arms and they kissed. Johnny's family looked on, smiling and laughing. It was like he never left. And she said, like, it all felt so right. 
His father said, Vivian, you look like you're going to eat him up. And in nine months, you'll look like you did. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And, you know, sure enough, Johnny and Vivian. Inaccurate? Well, pretty close. Because they started planning their wedding. Okay. She had a bridal shower and received many gifts, including Kraft macaroni and cheese, which both her and Johnny loved. Who doesn't? That's true. (laughs) I got the blues, Kraft macaroni and cheese. Remember that commercial? No, I don't. <laughs> but I want to I look it up now. If this was the Bloom Saloon, they'd play the ad oh, yeah. for it right yeah. now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Johnny wanted to settle in Memphis once they were married. And they were married on August, 7th, August 7th, 1954 in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Johnny requested that the wedding and reception be alcohol-free. Nice. Good for Johnny. Did it stay alcohol-free? Wow, I mean, the wedding and reception did, but obviously... (laughs) Not the marriage? Nope. Um, So, yeah, finally, she was Mrs. Johnny Cash. Nice. Okay, this is funny. Vivian recalls asking her mother where babies come from when she was a senior in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so, like, two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Her mother replied, God plants a seed in your heart and you have a baby. No, that's not how it works. (laughs) Well, which she later learned on her own that it took a man and a woman to make a baby. And she couldn't believe this. That She like called her friend and was like, can you believe this? (laughs) This is how it happens? (laughs) She knew that she and Johnny would make love on their wedding night, but she wasn't exactly sure how everything would go down. Yeah, I that's that that like that's terrifying to me that you know women had to experience that in their twenties for the first time, like in the moment. That I just that's nuts. When I was teaching um, puberty last year, we had a questions box, and probably like for every five questions, one of the questions was, "Where do babies come from?" Mm-hmm. And from now on, I'm just gonna say. God God plants plants a seed in your heart (laughs) and you have a baby. That's even more terrifying because it's like, then can I have it at any time? Like, God just decides uh, (laughs) you're not part of that decision. (laughs) Mm. So shall we get to it? Yeah, let's do Mm. it. Let's do it. Mm -mm. After the wedding, they loaded up their car and headed to Memphis. She put her head on his lab on his lap to rest as he drove and she was careful not to touch him like she said in his private parts (laughs) but she had to remind herself that like even if she did that's okay because that's your husband now Mm, you're mrs johnny cash so they stopped at a hotel halfway there to spend their wedding night and johnny carried her across the threshold to their room and she learned all about those things (laughs) that she never understood before what a revealing night that must have been yeah but she said like it was good and it felt so natural like watching him sleep being with him the long wait seemed meant to be that's that's beautiful i'm Mm -hmm. glad it was a good experience for her yeah elvis presley speaking of sex yeah (laughs) elvis presley yes yes (sighs) let's just take a moment He was the biggest thing happening musically, and he just released That's All Right, Mama. 
that's one of my favorites of his. Should we just add in like a, maybe like a 10 second Let's do music it. clip? It, it should be Elvis for our first clip. Done. Well, that's all right, mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do it, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, mama. Any way do. All right. There you go. He was about to become a nationwide star, and she says, Never in our wildest dreams did we imagine that in less than a year, Johnny would be singing on the radio right alongside him. Wow. Or that Elvis would become a close friend of ours. Yes. Still yet, that Johnny would have his own following of fans. Mm -hmm. They thought his dream was out of reach, but but they always believed in it. And when they arrived in Memphis, Johnny started a career selling appliances door to door. She said they lived in a horrible neighborhood and that they couldn't afford a phone, but it was home. And even if it was a tent, she would have been happy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not how she was portrayed in the movie. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. I want my daddy, John. You're yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like, oh, there is a scene uh. in the movie where he doesn't even have a record deal yet, and he's practicing out on the porch. And the camera pans to her two or three times, and she's giving him the dirtiest look from the kitchen like, table. Like, how dare you have this mm-hmm. passion for music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I really remember about that movie is, like, her constant nagging. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. She said, I felt like a princess, and Johnny was treating me as every bit the princess I felt. He doted on me constantly and was tender and romantic every minute of the day. He was all over me every chance he could, <laughs> making up for lost time, <laughs> I bet. he said. And I indulged him shamelessly. <laughs> Everything was baby this and honey that. In fact, from that point on, we never called each other by our actual names. That never changed. Uh-huh. Our children would later be surprised to learn that honey and baby cash weren't our real names. <laughs> That's so cute. Financially, they did have it rough. They were moving backwards, not forwards. Mm -hmm. They were loaned money by the man who owned the home equipment store and her father. Um, She says, but they were rich in love. Yeah. Rich in love, but dirt poor. Mm -hmm. They would wake up never knowing where the next dollar would come from. They struggled together, blissfully unconcerned about the future. It's a lot less scary when you're young and, you know, everything still seems bright. You're not thinking too deep about, you know, future this and future that. Yeah. Yeah. She says... Sometimes I'd hide a dollar here and a dollar there in a vase on the mantel, trying to save a little money. He'd find my hiding spot and buy himself a pack of cigarettes. I didn't even get mad at him, and he never got mad at me. We were just two perfect lovebirds. Around this time, Johnny met his bandmates, two mechanics, Marshall Grant and Luther Perkins. Johnny was fed up with trying to sell washing machines and really wanted to give a music career a try. She believed in him and encouraged him to pursue it. Two months after they were married, Vivian found out that she was pregnant. Yep. She didn't even know how they were going to pay the hospital bill. God planted that seed in her. Yeah. And she knew that God would take care of them because he always did. Her pregnancy wasn't the easiest. Um, so Johnny moved her to a home closer to his work so he could frequently check up on her. Aww. Oh, Johnny. 
Their lives did change dramatically when Viv was five months pregnant and Johnny auditioned for Sam Phillips. They were going to cut a record, so in 15 minutes, Johnny wrote, cry, cry, cry. Amazing. They were signed to Sun Records. Yes. And they didn't even have a phone to call and tell anyone the good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had big dreams together. She said she was fine with him touring, but only thought it would be to small towns here and there, yeah. not around the world. Yeah. And neither of them realized the magnitude of changes that would happen in the coming times. Yeah. That must have been crazy. Yeah. On May 24th, just a few days ago. Yeah. 1955, their daughter Roseanne was born. Aw. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy belated, Roseanne. Yeah. She didn't have a middle name, just Roseanne, which is which was a combination of Rose and Anne. The two names Johnny had playfully given to Vivian's breasts. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Mm. Oh my god, she's named after boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Only weeks. <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> Only weeks after Roseanne was born, "Cry, Cry, Cry" was released. If you turned on the radio, you'd hear it within ten minutes. Yeah, they would say things on the radio like, "He's giving Elvis a run for his money." Oh, that must have been so exciting. And so Johnny's first public appearance was opening for Elvis, and Vivian was nervously sitting stage left. Imagine that being your first gig, <laughs> opening for Elvis. No pressure. Holy mother of God. Good crowd to put him in front of, though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Within a year of their marriage, they had a baby girl, mm -hmm. and he had a sex... A sex... A sex... Sorry, I've got it on the mind. <laughs> successful. <laughs> successful. Music career. And then they found out they were expecting again. Yeah. Around this time, Vivian was asking Johnny if he was ever tempted by the women at his shows. She said it wasn't out of jealousy, just curiosity. She said that since the release of his single, she had never seen such wild women in her life. Yeah. She says everywhere Johnny went, it was the same. Girls screaming, clamoring, carrying on, and hugging him. Groupies. Groupies. And, like, of course they would be. He's opening for Elvis. Absolutely. Like, that's almost best case and worst case and he's scenario. he's handsome. He's got that yeah. nice voice. And, best oh. case and worst case scenario. Yes. So when she asked him, Johnny said, what women, honey? Uh, well, clearly he's been busy with Viv on her second baby. Yeah. <laughs> so in the movie... There's a scene where Johnny is, like, wasted and sitting with all the boys. And then June starts coming in and, like, throwing bottles at him. Oh, right? Yeah. And she's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't walk well, no line. Yeah. Or, like, you know. Giving her credit for... And then the movie line. cuts to him singing Walk the walk line. line. However, this is what Viv writes, what Johnny answered to her about other women when he answered her seriously. Yeah. He said, no, baby. Honey, I'm never tempted. And you know why? When those women come up to me, I think of them as mannequins. I look at them like they're mannequins. Just phony, plastic mannequins. You don't need to worry, baby. You're on my mind every minute, day and night. I walk the line for you. Hmm. She said, he turned those lyrics or those words into the biggest song of his entire career. She remembers him writing the song while she scribbled down the lyrics while they were in the car. She said every time she heard him sing it, no matter how many times, 
she knew he was singing it for her. That's so love. It's like his commitment to her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and they gave like June credit for giving him the idea. She talks about how Elvis was a great guy and became a good friend. Same was same as Carl Perkins. Mm-hmm. She says Jerry Lee Lewis was crazy, of course. but a lot of fun. <laughs> and she says that Elvis, Johnny, Carl, Jerry Lee, and Roy Orbison were a close-knit family. Ugh, I didn't realize that Roy talent. was a part of that family. He has a really interesting backstory, too. Can we do it? I want to learn about yeah, him. It's really tragic. Okay. But really interesting. We'll, we'll work something out for him in the future. Great. Yeah. There's got to be a couple books out there. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Soon enough, Johnny was headlining his own tours. Johnny's brother and his wife looked after Roseanne while Vivian could so Vivian could go and watch Johnny play and go on the road. So she went on the road a little bit with him. She sewed all his stage clothes and back then he was wearing a white suit, not black. Oh my god, so many of the women are involved with the fashion. I know. When Johnny did radio appearances, she'd wait in the car and listen to them. So she loved the fact that he was right inside, but millions of people were hearing that voice. I love that. Johnny treated people with respect, and he got a reputation for being an everyman. Mm -hmm. He didn't have an ego, and people liked him. Vivian was always shy and timid and felt out of place. She felt awkward meeting famous people. At at shows, she'd sit at the back of the stage in a corner by herself, and she said that some people might have thought that she was snobbish, but she wasn't. She was just too afraid to speak to anyone. Mm -hmm. She never called attention to herself, and Johnny said he loved that about her. Her life ambition was to be a wife and a mother. Yeah. She was never comfortable in the spotlight. Yeah. She just wanted to be there for Johnny. Mm Mm-hmm. See our man up there perform, go Mm -hmm. home, take care of the kids. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, though, Johnny would insist that she go on stage so he could introduce her to the audience. Uh, He wanted to show off. He did. And she would tremble head to toe. He was proud of her, and he did love showing her off, even though she was embarrassed. Um, She felt at home with the touring family, though, including all the people that I mentioned. Um, As the weeks went on, Johnny got more and more famous. His records were selling, and royalty checks were coming in. She finally had money to pay the bills. That must have been an incredible new experience, you know, not having to worry so much about next paycheck. Yeah. So Johnny quit his job and went on the road full time. There is no turning back. Within like a year or so of Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. what an incredible rise. And at this point, the tours were getting bigger and she had Roseanne to take care of. Mm -hmm. And so she understandably no longer went on those big tours. Plus, she was like carrying another baby. Yeah, she needed to take care of herself. So when he would go to leave on tour, she would, like, be holding the baby, and she'd be crying, and, like, he, like, she's, like, you could tell it just killed him to leave. Yeah. So that was definitely, like, a down, like, real downside, and things started to kind of take a turn. Absolutely. Um, She just would be waiting for him yeah. all the time, and then this really foreshadowed, like, the rest of their marriage, just, like, this constant waiting. Yeah. But on April 16th, she had their second baby, a girl named Kathy. The following months, Johnny appeared at the Grand Ole Opry, on the Ed Sullivan Show, at Carnegie Hall. They moved into a bigger, more beautiful home, and she took pride in supporting Johnny, right? Wow. Making a happy home for him to return to, like she liked being the mother. Um, by the end of 1957, she was pregnant for the third time. Baby making a machine. Mm. Planted that seed again. Yep. 
God that is. God really loves her. (laughs) She said that she was the perfect anything you want, dear, kind of wife and moved with him everywhere he wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So if he wanted to move, she moved. Yeah. In 1958, their third daughter, Cindy, was born and they moved to California. Oh, yeah. Wow. They were shopping in the same neighborhood as Clark Gable and John Wayne. Wow. They moved into Johnny Carson's old house. My goodness. The girls loved it, and it was beautiful. Johnny would take them on shopping sprees, and Vivian was now being bought $350 dresses. Wow, what a change. My God, that must have been something. Yeah. She says Johnny uh, remained, you know, a simple Arkansas farm boy, planting cotton in their yard, struggling to keep them alive. They also had the house full of animals, and she loved the monkey the best. How the hell did they get a monkey? Like, how did that... I don't know. Like, I think that the monkey trade probably wasn't well, illegal I just back mean, like, then. How, how did, like, you know, Michael did Jackson they wake up one day and be like, let's get a monkey? Like, I was oh, just wondering. who the hell knows? What, what what was the decision making there? That was That's interesting. But apparently the monkey had, like, a personality just like Johnny. Oh, yeah? They were very close in personality. <laughs> and he would, like, the monkey would just, like, sit and watch her. Would they monkey around together? They monkey around. All right. And they also had a parrot that every time somebody would knock on the door and come in, the parrot would yell, shit, come in. (laughs) (laughs) Vivian and the girls would count down the days on the calendar until Johnny came home. He'd always bring them a present for her. She'd get beautiful clothes and jewelry. When he was gone for her birthday, she opened the door to see a pink Cadillac in the driveway, which he called Titty Pink. (laughs) And someone was there delivering the keys. I didn't know this, but apparently... Johnny was acting in films. Yeah. His first role being Five Minutes to Live. Yes. I did know that he did a couple films. I haven't seen any, though. We should watch one. There's one in particular that's like a cult film. Hmm. Yeah, we should check that one. When he tried to bring Vivian on set, a woman stopped him and said, no guests. He said that if Viv couldn't go, he wouldn't go. He always wanted her by her side. She says that Johnny really, really still made her feel like a princess. He wanted her to go with him everywhere. Even though they were several years into their marriage, they still felt like newlyweds. Wow. Yeah. In 1959, they took a long romantic trip to Europe. Ireland, Spain, Germany. She got to meet his old buddies and they said, this is the Vivian we heard so much about. So she got to see where she and Johnny spent their courtship. Mm -hmm. And even in Europe, his music was playing. Awesome. So while she enjoyed California, Johnny started to change. He was spending time with people who enjoyed late night partying, playing the horses, and drinking. Not quite a family man. Or didn't surround himself with men who were, you know, family oriented. She says, all of the things that Johnny had called filthy and dirty and had insisted would destroy our lives were things he began to embrace. Yeah. That's when I began to sense a dangerous current running just beneath the exciting new life we were living. Mm -hmm. She longed for simpler days before all the money and the fame. Yeah. The first time Vivian met June Carter was in 1958 at a music industry award in Nashville. Within the first minute, June thrust out her left hand and said, Look, with every husband, my diamond gets bigger, as she was on her second marriage. Okay. Vivian says, Call it female intuition or a discerning spirit. But she knew she had reason to worry. She said, This woman was dangerous to my family. I sensed an unspoken agenda. 
If she were the type of woman to judge a marriage by the size of a diamond, I thought she would judge a man by the measure of his success. And Johnny was ripe for the picking. I'm sure, I'm sure that diamond thing was like, you know, a joke of or her way of kind of dealing with her own guilt of being a Christian and getting remarried and everything, too. But women can definitely sense uh, attraction. And when, you know, there's another woman in the room who may uh, have a feeling or two for yeah like i dated a guy for nine months once and i sensed that he was starting to have feelings for somebody else and he denied it and denied it and denied it and then we broke up and then they started dating of course and i was pissed yeah for years just that took admit me it. years to get over yeah. and that was only a nine-month relationship imagine a marriage like this i can't imagine yeah the worst thing is not admitting it. Like, be honest. Because mm-hmm. either you're wasting my time or be honest and, like, let's talk about it and try to work through it. Like, you're you're automatically setting yourself up for, like, doom. Yeah. Heim. Yeah. I was just saw you looking at the Heim uh, yeah. buttons. They have a song. It's obvious. Be okay. honest. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-mm-mm. In 1961, Vivian heard that June was wanting a spot on Johnny's tour. Not only that, that second marriage was ending. Uh-oh. She was also becoming more concerned with Johnny's drinking. He was not the clear-thinking man she was accustomed to. Yeah. When June joined the tour, his drinking escalated uncontrollably, and he began taking all kinds of pills. Mm-hmm. He said everyone on tour took them, which was true. Yeah. And he needed help on tour to take the edge off, to get the energy, you know, up, it down, up, down, whatever. Like that. Yep. Sure. But his behavior and his moods were changing. He stopped looking at her in the eyes. Mm. He wouldn't tell her what was bothering him. And he was distanced and detached. Yeah. She said that almost overnight, the drugs took hold and he was never the same. That's so heartbreaking. Occasionally, she would hear rumors of Johnny and other women, but she always trusted him. Mm. Her original instincts about June were correct, though. Of course. She says that um, the bottom began to drop out of their marriage and that June caused her a lifetime of pain. Mm. She loved it when she and Johnny had times together away in the country, away from everything and everyone. They camped, fished, and hunted, and felt freedom in the country. Mm-hmm. They moved away from the city and moved to a neighborhood on Haven Hertz, which were like which was comparably no man's land. Like whatever Johnny wanted, he got. Yeah. On August twenty fourth, nineteen sixty one, their fourth daughter Tara was born. Things got worse when they moved in. She was at home with four children in the middle of nowhere, and Johnny was on the road with June and her family 250 days of the year. Wow. And they made Vivian out to be the a bad villain? Guy. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. She's just doing her best, taking care of his kids, you know, being there, being a good mom. Yeah. And, you know, dealing with all that emotion of not being with your loved one worrying about what he's doing with june and that must have been rough for her listen how creepy this is people found out where they lived like strangers and they would show up and look through their windows (sighs) that's like that's not a groupie that's a crazy yeah that's not cool when johnny was back home from tour he spent his time drinking with the preacher she called this preacher a two-faced hypocrite yep um things started happening like when they would go on family vacation johnny said he'd be gone for a minute 
And hours later, she'd get a call that he'd been arrested. Yeah. He started to become constantly in trouble with the law, and Johnny's band members were now telling her outright that there was something going on with June and Johnny. Yeah. When he was at home, he was talking about her nonstop. Mm. She said that it seemed like every chance that June got, she knocked Vivian down a notch. From things like being backstage and announcing loudly that it looked like Vivian had some dirt on her jacket. What? Which, yeah. Um, Johnny told Vivian that he was giving June half the credit for the song Ring of Fire because she needed the money. But she didn't she write it? Vivian said that Johnny wrote the song when he was super messed up and it was about a certain private female body part interesting so she would find receipts of gifts that johnny was buying for june and her daughters he started answering her i love you's on the phone with just me too it sounds like he became sort of a vicious kind of drunk or yeah um, yeah one thing roseanne said was that a lot of johnny's like pain and and viciousness he mostly just put it on himself yeah yeah instead of like again being honest and talking about the real issue instead just trying to bury it and go along like everything's status quo and it clearly isn't that never yeah. works yeah so when she was like when they were on the phone and she'd be like i love you and he'd be like me too she knew that june was an earshot oh yeah he didn't want to say it apparently one day when johnny did say i love you back june proceeded to break every dish in the kitchen where they were staying oh when Johnny was home, he was having hallucinations. And she finally, Viv, finally admitted to herself that she was slowly but surely losing her husband to June yeah. Carter. Yeah. She was watching him divide his time and money between the two women and two families. Mm -hmm. She says, is it, a, it is a degrading, horrible experience when you realize you're losing your husband to another woman. I felt completely helpless not knowing how to bring him back. I longed for the days when Johnny told me he'd always walk the line for me. Yeah. He didn't tell me that anymore. Did he admit to her that? Not yet. It, no. She was so stressed out, having a hard time eating, and lived on coffee and cigarettes. Mm. Finally, she confronted him, and he said, she's off the tour. He hugged her and kissed her and told her everything would be fine. But she suspected June wouldn't go down easy, and mm. she was right. Yeah. Just as soon as June was off the tour, she was back on. After Johnny's tour ended, they expected, like her and the girls, expected him to come home, and he didn't. She said it wasn't until later that the girls told her that they saw and heard more than Vivian ever thought. Like, mm. she tried to hide it from the girls, yeah. but they knew that there was a problem and that they Kids could, like, hear smart. her parents. Yeah. yeah. One day, Vivian called June and said, June, the only problem Johnny and I have in our marriage is you. Mm. Although she knew that it was also the drug. She figured like she wouldn't of mention course. it at the time. And June answered, yes, well, I just stay on my knees praying. She was confused by that response. Mm -hmm. She said she never got a straight response. And she felt like June just saw her as the nuisance. Yeah. She said um, the next time she saw June, it was backstage. And there was about five minutes of harsh words. And then June saying, Vivian, he will be mine. And no. then she turned and walked away. Wow. Wow. At this point, Johnny was a stranger to her. Yeah. Her daughters were even say things like, Daddy's acting strange and weird. Yeah. She spent her days waiting, hoping, pacing that he'd leave and come back to her. Yeah. When he did finally come home, he'd go to bed for two or three days. See, at this point, it's like, it would be better just to 
tell her and get out of there so mm-hmm. that she could like you know not be waiting anymore she says that she never stopped praying for a miracle that's heartbreaking one thing that i was kind of curious to find out was that she was johnny's bookkeeper wow while he was on tour she managed the household and like you know hosted guests and then she would like take his receipts deposit the money blah 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 so she saw his receipts yeah Oh, Anyways, the rough. family's problems were becoming very public. Like he had started a fire on a mountain, was fined eighty two thousand yeah. dollars, arrested in Mexico for smuggling pills. He was nuts back then. He was definitely uh, going through it. Yeah, one of his daughters—I forget which one—the youngest one, I, th- I think, had told Vivian that like I never knew my dad like sober. Yeah. Like he was messed up my whole childhood. Yeah. Um. So she tried to talk to Johnny about it, and he'd just leave. He'd be like, there's no use fighting, and he'd just leave. His bandmate called her and said that Johnny should go to treatment, mm-hmm. and so she started making arrangements for rehab for when he got back from tour. Yeah. But then one of his bandmates told him not to go home because Vivian was going to have him committed. What? So she said the alienation continued. Yeah. Until one day And John- again, she's painted as like the bad guy for setting mm-hmm. this up when really it's like, I, w- I want you to live. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day, just better. like Johnny never came home. <sighs> She said that if he would never have done drugs, he would have had a much happier life and his daughters would have much would have had a much better father. Of course. Now, Roseanne does talk about really awesome things that he did as a father. Mm-hmm. Really awesome things. And how he would give up summer tours to be with him and the girls. Of course. So it's hard to even even if he wasn't, you know, struggling with addiction when you're away that much, it's it's hard to be a, like a good parent or one that you know you have a million stories about so i guess the the ones that she does have are really special mm. she said that signing the divorce papers was the worst day of her life <sighs> emotionally and physically she was a wreck skin and bones nervous and distant she was just a ghost of the woman i used to be the few friends i had were gravely concerned that i might harm myself I altered between moments of self-pity and fits of anger. One minute, believing I somehow deserved all the misery I was experiencing, and the next, furious at Johnny, furious at June, and disgusted with myself for hanging on to the foolish hope that everything would somehow be all right. Aww. Rough, rough Can you time. imagine how sick you must feel? Yeah. Whew. All of them must have been going through hell. Mm-hmm. She says that it was hard to walk away from a marriage when you still have a shred of hope. Yeah. And she always had hope. She kept reminding herself that every time she waited for him in the past, he always came back. Mm-hmm. Her whole life was waiting for him. And she still loved him. She couldn't picture a life without him. She had always pictured that they would be married and together forever. She said she was deteriorate, deteriorating. 95 pounds. She didn't know how to reach out and ask for help. At a doctor's appointment... Her doctor said to her, Vivian, you need to do something. If you don't, somebody else will be raising your girls. Wow. She said that her daughters later told her that they weren't upset about the news of the divorce, but rather relieved. Yeah. And when she called grandma and grandpa Cash, because they saw everything, they vowed their support to her and anything that she might need. Good. Good. The divorce papers were signed and, of course, a media onslaught ensued. She Mm -hmm. said, Overnight, it seemed I went from celebrity wife to throwaway spouse, tossed out like something with no value. Wow. 
She discovered more receipts that the relationship had gone on for longer than she even thought mm. and had even bought a house. He had even bought a house for June's mother. No mother way. Maybell. While they were still married and mm-hmm. everything. Oh, my God. Like, how can you do that without talking to your spouse? It's awful. Right. Johnny did support her financially after the divorce and he didn't want anything from her or to take anything from her. He didn't take much when he left. Yeah. He later apologized to his daughters, but he never apologized to Vivian. Mm. She had met a man um, when Johnny did a concert for cops because he'd gotten pulled over for like drinking and driving. <laughs> and instead of getting arrested, he said he would do a, a concert for like the cops. Wow. And she met a man there. And that was the one she ended up marrying after Johnny. He was a cop? Mm-hmm. Apparently, complete strangers would walk up to her and ask her who was better in bed. What? Johnny's celebrity had a resurgent with the Johnny Cash show, and he had um, superstar status. And so Vivian was like, just my luck. We get divorced, and he's a superstar. He was everywhere with June smiling by his side. It hurt her when in interviews, June would talk about raising seven children. No. Her children, including her daughters. Um. June even received the Mother of the Year award. No. I, yeah. I mean. I know, right? Because when we do June's episode, we're going to love her. Exactly. Right? And, and, and we love I, Johnny. It, this is just like. It couldn't have been easy for June. No. Loving a man who was in a relationship. And you know that when Johnny is talking about Vivian to June, he's telling June a completely different story. Mm. Right? So mm-hmm. there's. This is Vivian's side. This is what she experienced. Many people think that Vivian abandoned her children, but they always lived with her. And some people even think that Roseanne is Johnny and June's daughter. One time, her daughter was with June, and um, June was always buying her daughters, like, real lavish things. And one of Vivian's daughter asked June to buy her a pair of shoes, and June said, tell your mother to buy you your shoes. And this infuriated Vivian because Johnny spent so much money on June's daughter over the years. And her her parents. Yeah. So she said that unfairly her anger was on June. Yeah. But she knew that everyone was involved there. So she said that Johnny got himself off drugs. It wasn't June that got him off drugs. Okay. And that June had some issues of her own with substances. Of course. She believes that Johnny was feeling truly guilty about cheating on Vivian and that the guilt plagued him. And so his addiction increased. Roseanne also backed that up. Yeah. She also said like. He's so lucky that he made it through that time alive. Yeah. For sure. Um, she said that June and Johnny shared the drugs, and the music business. Mm -hmm. Once Vivian remarried, he felt vindicated and he felt like he had permission to be with June without his conscience bothering him, which is maybe why he finally was able to get off the drugs, which is sort of like her hypothesis. So it took Vivian a while, but she finally realized that her anger and frustration were destroying her and she was finally able to start getting some peace. No one knew how she felt. The only person suffering was her. Mm-hmm. She said she regretted not getting counseling and not forming a close circle of women friends and leaning on them for support. Instead, she chose to go it alone, which yeah. was foolish. She regrets carrying around the anger for so long, dwelling on injustice. Her bitterness paralyzed her emotionally and spiritually and hurt her daughters. That's so sad. So eventually, she was finding a new peace with everything. She wrote a letter to Johnny that she never actually sent. And after that, she vowed never to watch anything with Johnny and June again. Mm. She gave herself permission to not read or watch anything that would elevate her blood pressure. Mm. 
she stopped following his career. The less she knew, the better. Yeah. She moved on with her sweet, precious husband, as she called him, found love and a newfound peace. In 1975, like I was saying, Johnny sent her his autobiography and sent her a copy with this note. To Vivian, I hope this will make people know and understand what a good wife and mother you always were. She put the book away on the shelf and she never read it. Wow. Good for Viv. But now I want to read the book. Oh, yeah. She said, When Johnny and I were newlyweds, the road that lay ahead of us seemed so endless and full of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Now, as I near the end of my life and I can reflect back on the journey we took, it all seems to have passed in the blink of an eye. It has been over 50 years since that night at the skating rink when Johnny first smiled at me and asked me to skate. My life has settled into a comfortable routine with my husband. I stay busy with a garden club and meetings, church activities, tending to my house and garden, and spending time with friends and family. So, like, she's grateful for her life, her grandchildren, and she feels blessed. Yeah. And she says that she asks God to bless June and that she has forgiven June, forgiven everyone. Of course. So after writing this book, she felt, like I said, the reconciliation and freedom, ready to live her life with appreciation. The experience of writing the book, she says, allowed my pain to fully settle in my bones, felt its full effect, and it has dissipated. Johnny's most wonderful qualities, in their purest form, are right here. In Cindy's passion and uncompromising sense of right and wrong, in Kathy's sense of humor and quick wit, in Roseanne's bold creativity, in Tara's compassion and gentle spirit, and in June and Johnny's son, John Carter, too. In the time I have left, I hope to discover for myself the best of Johnny's qualities in him. I can say without hesitation to each of them that one of the best things I ever did was marry their daddy. Aww. Wow. So, Vivian actually died shortly after the book was written. Wow. But she wanted to be remembered as a devoted mother and a devoted wife, yeah. a faithful Christian and a good friend to the friends that she was blessed with. She hoped that this book would help other women. Yeah. She died on May 4th, 2005. Yeah. The same day that Roseanne was born. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And after surgery close. to remove cancer from her lung. Wow. And June and Johnny passed away within a couple of years like they all kind of yeah. passed away in the same time frame yeah it's true so i'll read an excerpt from roseanne's book which is the eulogy that she wrote for her mother okay when i woke up this morning my husband and i were talking about the difficult day ahead and about my mother and her legacy to us and john said your mother was the definition of a life well spent she was always engaged in her children her faith, and her whole community. It's inspiring. That's how we all should live. It's so true. I can look at the beauty in my life, the sacred space of my home, and the faith in my heart, and witness the love, consideration, and good manners of my children, and I have my mother to thank. She taught me how to do that. She taught me how to find the beauty, how to teach the child, how to be fierce and loyal, and how to love unconditionally, and how to be happy which by itself is an extraordinary gift. There was no higher calling to her than making a home and being a wife and mother. She was as devoted and confident as a wife, first to my father for 13 years and then to Dick for 38 years as she was as a mother. And then as a grandmother, she was exalted. She filled in all the gaps. She ordered their universe on a foundation of love. 
That's so beautiful. She was such an amazing woman. She just wanted to be there for her family and... And you know. when the the person that wrote the book with her said, like, what do you want your legacy to be? Like, that was it. Yeah. So. So she accomplished her goal, just not necessarily forever with that man that she thought she was going to spend forever with. It's so crazy, you know, things that happen in your life to propel you one way or the other. Like, had Johnny not been a musician or had he not made it big, like, would they have been together forever? Maybe, you know. But as you said, he had those certain issues long before they were married. And yeah. certainly at some point he would have had to have dealt with that and whether or not that would have, you know, led them one way, the same way that they did end up or not. You'll never really know, I guess. But it's yeah. just so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, hopefully that um, if people are curious to check out her book, um, you know, read all yeah. those letters, that yeah. would be really nice. You get to see all the great pictures of her. And, you know, for all of the people who have already read her book and have gotten that from this, mm-hmm. and then to the people now who are listening to this episode and either just listen to the episode and now get to know who she is a little bit or do go and read her book, I hope that we can, you know, give Vivian even like a little bit more peace and and love and that really her legacy is living on exactly how it should and how yeah and she's not that you know mean nagging woman in the corner she's a beautiful soul who was supportive and loving and you know was just there and wanted to be happy and yeah she's a woman she's just a she's just a woman she's a woman (laughs) And she walked the line. She did. Mm. That was amazing. Uh, I love it when we go like further and further back and, you know, stories from the 50s and the 60s. It's such a different time. It's really interesting to, you know, go back there and hear these female experiences from, you know, their words in this era that, you know, we'll we'll never experience otherwise. Yeah. That was beautiful. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're back at her. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to June and Johnny eventually. Yeah. Uh, look forward to doing one on them. And mm-hmm. Wait, does John Carter Cash have a book? I think so, yes. Cool. Like, yeah. this is like, exactly. this, yeah. this podcast is never ending, exactly. babies. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah. And thank you. That was beautiful. I'm so glad to... I'm so glad you chose to present Vivian. Good. Yeah. Well, I think you suggested it. (laughs) I'm so glad you took me up on my suggestion. (laughs) Alrighty, everybody. Thanks for listening again. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. And check out the Bloom Saloon. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do it on my way home. And uh, single AF. Yeah. Two totally different vibes, but you know, awesome ladies all around. Thank you. Bye. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? 
What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.